What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upside Down World podcast, and I am your host, of course, Ricky Carlson. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for hopping on wherever you may be, however you may be listening. I'm, I'm grateful that you decided to make this part of your day. I know time is very valuable, and I, I cannot thank you enough for feeling like this is worth your time. I'm not sure it is, but I appreciate you uh, to tuning in anyway. I want to make sure that I do the best that I can to serve you guys. If you guys have any comments, concerns, anything like that, you can email me at rickycarlson at upsidedownworld.com. Uh, you can visit us on our website. You can see my, any of my Instagram, Facebook, uh, anything like that, that you want to reach out to me and just kind of ask me any questions or see, maybe give me a suggestion of what I should do a topic on. Uh, and I'd love to be able to answer any of those questions for you guys. And so uh, with that being said, if you haven't already, I encourage you to, if this is kind of up your alley, this is stuff that you like, I encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. And even if you don't necessarily think you're going to like it, just do it anyway, just because, you know, I'm asking you to. So sometimes, sometimes you just got to, just got to ask, you know, you don't ask, you don't receive. So, uh, and if you can give a like to this podcast as well, if this is, if there's something in here that you liked, that you actually got some value out of, uh, either send it to a friend or just give it a like or whatever you want to do. Uh, I just appreciate you guys uh, for tuning in here and you know helping us out in any way that you can. So with that being said, I want to just kind of jump right into the topic today. Today, we're going to be talking about something that I guess, you know, it's a, it's a big debate among a lot of different, I guess you could say, sects of Christianity, right? Different parts of it. Um, some people hold to one side, some some people hold to another. Um, and I, I kind of want to present this to you in a way from someone who has been on both sides of this, someone who has argued both sides of this. And so I'm going to try to be as honest about what the other side believes, because what I want to do is, you know, if there's someone who tunes into the podcast who may disagree, I at least want you to feel like you understand I know where you're coming from. I'm not, you know, straw. I'm not having, a, I don't have a straw man argument or anything like that. I want to, you know, I'm not going to say you don't read your Bible or anything. Um, I think a lot of times Christians can get into that where they, they, instead of actually getting into an actual discussion, they just, their first instinct is just to throw out, you don't believe the Bible, you don't read your Bible or this, that, or the other. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that. So I'm going to be as real and uh, try to give you as thorough of an explanation as I possibly can and kind of give you a couple of stories and, uh, you know, my own personal experience as well, just so you kind of have an idea. But I want to go and I want to give you guys a quick story. I was, I had a discussion with a man or it was, uh, I had a discussion with a woman hmm, month, month and a half ago, something like that. I had a discussion with this lady and, uh, you know, we were going through some stuff and, and I basically, I gave her this kind of as a, as an explanation. And so I want to kind of maybe start off with this here. Um, before I do, let me, let me just say this real quick as well. If I'm going to kind of jump into the middle of something. So I'm going to kind of assume a couple of things about you and about what you believe. All right. So First, I just want to say I'm I'm assuming jumping into this that you already understand that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. I'm basically going to assume that you know that that you're a sinner and that you've done something wrong at some point. 
no matter how big or how small. Um, and I'm also going to assume that you understand no matter how big or how small that sin was, that still brings us short of perfection and it still makes us deserve to go to hell. So I deserve to go to hell. No matter who, no matter who is listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you're already there. And so if you're not there and you feel like, I don't feel like I, I deserve to go to hell. I don't feel like I've done enough bad things. Well, then I'm I'm kind of talking past you a little bit. I'm not really going to, that's not what this episode is specifically geared towards. Um, but I just want to kind of, I want to preface everything else by saying that because everything kind of builds on that foundation, right? Um, you know, the whole idea that the wages of sin is death. And so that's kind of what everything is built on. So I'm not really going to spend much time on that today. But back to this analogy in this story. I was having, you know, when I was talking to this lady, I remember I, I gave her and I said, hey, look, here's what I'm going to do. All right. I'm going to give you this phone. All right. And, and I said, I'm going to give you my phone. All right. Now I'm going to give this to you. It's a gift. You don't pay me for it. You don't do anything. Okay. Now, because obviously a gift, right? If you ever think about like a birthday present or anything along those lines you, the person receiving the gift doesn't pay for a gift, right? And so I think everybody kind of understands that. So as I give her this, as I give her this phone and I say, I want to give you my phone. She says, absolutely no, under no circumstances. I can't do that. I, I need to give you something in return. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I truly, I just want to give it to you. I just want to give it to you. I know it's a lot, you know, um, and this is someone who may not have, the luxuries that we have today, right? And so anything really is going to be a blessing. But it was just way too much. She said, no, I can't take it. I can't do it. And she said, I'm going to, I got to give you at least this money. And I'm like, no, please, I don't want to take it. She insists, I'm going to give you this money. Well, I walk away and I think to myself, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not, I don't feel like, you know, that feeling you get when you, when you give someone a gift or you do a good thing for somebody, I didn't walk away with that feeling mostly because I didn't end up giving her a gift, right? At, at, at the entire point of what I was trying to do for her is say, Hey, look, I'm going to give you this for free. It's yours. It's a gift. But she just insisted on, on, on giving me something in return. And so I walk away not defeated, but I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. Like you give someone something and you just want to do it out of the kindness of your heart. But it kind of, it ends up backfiring where it's not really a gift anymore. Even, even though, you know, she didn't give me much, it's not like she paid for the value of the phone or anything like that. I still don't feel like I gave her a gift, if that makes any sense. Right. Where am I going with that? Well, the point that I want to make with that is um, there is a, there's a big discussion today in Christianity and there is a large segment of Christianity today, which I guess it's always been this way. You know, even back in Paul's day, he had to, you know, there were people in the churches who were trying to uh, Judaize the Christians and make them have to uphold certain sections of the law in order for them to be saved. 
Um, and Paul had to rebuke them and all that stuff. But today, it's still a big deal. And one of the biggest problems that we have as soul winners, as people who do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with people and talk to people about the gospel, most people have a misunderstanding of what it means to be saved, right? And so I want to kind of talk about that a little bit today. That's kind of, that's what the, that's what the crux of today's discussion is going to be. And, um, you know, I, I kind of want to just start off by saying um, at, at the end of our life, at the end of our life, if we were not perfect, then what ends up happening is, is we have a negative balance on our account. So because we are imperfect, no matter how much sin we commit, a lot or a little, big or small, however, however much, we still fall short, right? And we all still deserve to go to hell, right? And again, I pre prefaced everything earlier. I'm not going to go too deep into that. But because of that, here's what ends up happening. I think, and a lot of people, what they do is they recognize that. And so they say this, they say this. So they say, all right, you know, think about a person who goes into a gas station. We just had down the road from us, uh, Murchison Road in Fayetteville. Anybody from Fayetteville knows, bound to happen on Murchison Road. But uh, off of Murchison Road, we had a, uh, there was a shooting at a gas station. And there was an eight-year-old who, who got shot. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what ended up happening with it. I, I, I don't remember. Um, I actually didn't follow up with it. I, I don't know. But I remember he was being sent to the hospital and it wasn't supposed to be fatal. But let's say whoever did that, right? You know, imagine he goes to court and, you know, he goes up to the judge and he says, judge, you know, I know I shot that eight-year-old boy and I know that's bad, but he didn't die. So you should let me go. So what is he doing there? What he's doing is he's saying, well, it could have been worse. So I didn't, I didn't end up actually killing him. So I shouldn't be punished because he didn't actually die. It wasn't that bad, right? And he wants to be let off completely scot-free. Would that, would that judge righteously say, you know what? That's a good point. You know what? Unshackle him. He's free to go. No, right? That's still attempted murder. Should still be on trial for that, right? And so that's kind of where the whole idea of you know, even though we've sinned small sins, even though some, I mean, I've done a lot, all right, I've done a lot of bad stuff, but there are people who have done less than me, for sure, a lot less than me, and those people would still deserve to go to hell, because even though they, they didn't do the really bad thing in killing someone, you know, maybe they just stole, or they lied. All of it is a transgression of the law. James tells us that the, the sin is a transgression of the law, and it doesn't matter if it's a big sin like murder or if it's a small sin like a lie. And so what ends up happening with a lot of Christians is they always end up saying, well, I'm not that bad. So, you know, I'll ask them like, hey, do you, you know, one of the biggest joys that I have is the assurance to know where I'm going when I die. So I'll ask people and I'll say, hey, do you have an assurance? Do you know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven? 
And more times than not, the response I get from them is, um, no, I, I, I'm not sure. Or, or I think so. I hope so. And uh, the think so, hope so crowd always goes to, well, I haven't done anything that bad, right? I haven't, haven't done anything too big. Um, and then there's other people who they just, they really genuinely have no idea. They don't even know what it takes. They don't know anything, right? And one of the cool things about the gospel is getting to see someone through that. Um, but Romans 5, 8 tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So even while we were sinners, while we were still doing those things, Christ still died for us. And so the interesting thing is, is Titus 3, 5. Is it also goes into something very similar, um, where it says that it's not that salvation it goes by not by works of righteousness, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. So the mercy there is, you know, while we were still sinners, that's the mercy. While we were still sinners, Christ still died for us. That's the mercy. That's the that's the grace. That's the unmerited favor that God gives on our account. So we don't deserve that, right? But the common objection that I had, and for a long time, you know, I remember I went to a youth camp when I was at this church. It was uh, my old church in Fayetteville, um, and it was a non-denominational church. And I remember I went to a youth camp, and I was trying to learn about the I wanted to, right? Now, I was the weird kid, right? I mean, who can imagine, right? But I was the weird kid, and I remember I got made fun of so much, and I would just do the stupidest things to try to get attention and all this. But I remember at this youth camp, I genuinely I had a moment where I said, I want to be saved. And it was like the uh, Philippian jailer, which we'll actually talk about in a second, but it was like the Philippian jailer. And I remember I asked a counselor, I, you know, they had the prayer time, they had the invitation. And they said, if you want to, you know, go raise your hand. And I, I raise my hand. I go up and I say, all right, look, I, I go to the counselor. We go outside. We sit down and he says, hey, what do you want to talk about? I say, I want to, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And I had a genuine moment where I said, what do I need to, what, what must I do to be saved? What do I need to do to go to heaven? And I remember the answer he gave me was you have to get baptized. Now, there's a long story behind that, but I couldn't. I couldn't get baptized at that time. And I remember telling him, I said, I can't. There, here's this reason. And he said, well, then we just can't baptize you. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, 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 wait. I literally, I, I can't. Like, physically, I'm not allowed to. You're not going to allow me to get to get baptized because of this existential circumstance. But you're saying I need to get baptized in order to be saved. And it was confusion. It was confusion. And so I remember thinking to myself, this, I'm, I'm going to die and I'm going to go to hell because I can't get baptized. But the good news of, of, of that is this, is that in the end, I did end up getting saved. I did end up getting saved years later. Um, but it was funny to me because I always remember hearing that I had to get baptized. And then after I got baptized in order to maintain my own salvation and maintain my maintain that, I had to do all these things I had to do. You probably heard works, right? 
And oftentimes people, especially in that church that I was in, would say faith plus works. And what they would do is they would go to James 2 where it says, don't you know that faith without works is dead being alone? And it says it a couple of times in that chapter. It says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So I think it says it three times. And, you know, for me, I didn't read context. I just read verses. And I ended up saying, okay, well, yeah, I need to have works as well. I mean, it just... It's just what I did, right? But I want to, sh- I, I, what's funny is, is when you look at the context of what's being talked about there, none of it is talking about salvation, right? Some people will even say, and I've heard this too, even in, even in more of my style church, I've heard people say, well, this is their objection to that. They'll say, well, James 2 is not written for Christians. They're written for something that they call uh, for, for something, I'm not going to get into this, but it's, it's tribulation saints, right? But I don't think that's a good, I don't think that's a good objection handler because you're going to have to go into so much deep doctrine. You're gonna have to go into so much. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. It's not worth going into all that. What you do is you take them to the passage, read the passage. It has nothing to do with salvation. And it's funny because Starting in verse 14, what doth that profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? And so he's saying, look, can faith save him if he has faith without works? Now, let's look at the context of it, because a lot of people will go there, and they'll go to verse 17, and then they'll say verse 20 as well, and verse 22. They'll go to these, and they'll kind of pick it out. They'll pick out these, these phrases here and there, but let's read it all. And then verse 15, it goes into an illustration. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So the entire context of what it's saying is not. And then verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. The entire context of it is not talking about salvation. Nowhere in there is it talking about salvation. What it is saying is this, if I as a Christian live a life that is no different from the world, nobody's going to look at me any differently. It doesn't, it doesn't bring a good witness. It's not about salvation. You know, like people at my job, they know I don't drink. They know I don't, they don't know I don't, they know I don't do any of that, right? They know I don't cuss. So sometimes they'll even catch themselves. They'll cuss and they'll say, oh, my bad, man. And it's the witness of being those things. But what this this illustration here, if someone is on the side of the street and hungry, and you go up to them and you say in verse 16, depart in peace, be warm and filled. Basically, hey, I know God, you know, God will take care of you. You'll be okay. And you have the means to do something and you don't do it. What does it profit? If you have the ability to help them out and you don't do it, they're still hungry. You saying, be warmed and filled, doesn't fill them. If you have the money, go buy them something so that way they can be warmed and filled. You see what I mean? And even as you go through it, verse 18, Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. We're going to talk about that too. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So faith without works is dead in the fact that when... If someone 
who has faith does not show their faith, everybody's nobody's going to look at them at any sort of authority about faith, right? The person who acts on their faith is a better witness than the person who doesn't. Now, the person who has faith but doesn't act on it is still saved. In fact, Romans 4 tells us that very thing. Romans 4 tells us that, uh, I think starting in verse 1, it says, What shall we say then, that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? So, what is what is Abraham found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath rubbed the glory, but not before God. That's Romans 4. Abraham, if Abraham were justified by works, he hath were of the glory, but not before God. Before men, he can glory if he has works, but not before God. And so Isaiah 64 tells us our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It's one of my favorite verses because it really does remind people. It says, look, if our bad, if our good deeds are filthy rags, how bad are our bad ones? Right? And so a lot of people... They, they take that whole works and they mix it into salvation. But the problem, there's a, there's so many problems with that, right? There's so many problems. One, it doesn't make Christ the author and finisher of our faith. It makes Christ the author and we have to be the finisher. Because we have to keep it up and do it until the end. So Christ writes it and then we have to be the finisher. So it contradicts that verse in Hebrews. And then Hebrews 11 tells us, says, for if by grace or if by faith, then is it no more works? Otherwise, faith is no more faith. And if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, grace is or otherwise work is no more work. So it's either grace or works. It's not both. It can't be both. It can't be grace and works because if it's grace and your works, then grace is no more grace. You see what I mean? You can't have unmerited favor, which is what grace means. Grace means unmerited favor. And Ephesians 2 tells us, for um, ye, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because, again, if you have to mix grace and works, then what you're essentially doing at that point when you mix grace and works is you're saying that the unmerited favor has to be merited, right? You have to earn unmerited favor, which doesn't make any sense, okay? And so what a lot of people will say is, so then can you just live however you want once you're saved? Well, first of all, that, that shows the, I think, I think that shows the wickedness of our hearts as human beings. When someone, that's their first reaction, they want to say, and that's fine, right? Like, I thought that too when I first, and but obviously, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we've all done something wrong. Our hearts are all bad. Uh, even the Bible says not to trust your heart, for our heart is deceitful above all things, is de de deceitful and desperately wicked above all things who can know it. So our heart is desperate, desperately wicked. And so when someone says something like that, it's just a reminder that our hearts are desperately wicked. The truth is, if someone has unmerited favor, they get a great gift, which is what salvation is, for, according to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's, it's the gift of God, and it's not of works. So if we get such a great gift, such as salvation, and it's ours, right? Why would we just want to throw it away, stomp on it, right? It's like, 
if I were to give that late, if I would have given that lady my phone, I said, here, here's my phone. She's like, oh, thank you so much. She stomps it on the ground. She breaks it and all that stuff. Well, look, here's the thing. It's not my phone. I already gave it to her. At that point, if, if I truly thought of it as a gift, I have no control over what she now does with my phone. She could take it and it, she could abuse it. That's fine. It's still a gift. It's still something that I gave and she took it. But I think what, what many people want to do is they want to earn their own salvation, right? Every other religion in the world teaches that you have to do something for salvation. Uh, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, every everything in the world. Scientology, right? That's a really small one compared to all the rest of them, right? But you have all of these all of these religions say you have to do something for salvation. Now, when when a Christian, which many Christians believe this, um, you know, Catholics will say you have to keep the seven sacraments. Well, that's a work. Those are all works, right? You know, take communion, uh, get baptized, you know, get uh, confirmed. All these things are works. Now, if you're saved by those things and you go to heaven because you do those things, you're no longer, you can no longer say it's grace, right? You're saying it's either by work if it's by work, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So what you're saying is, I'm working for it. Now, if you're working for it, you have to be perfect in every area forever. Because again, if we go back to earlier, right, that guy who shot the little boy, that's a crazy, that's a, that's a really bad sin. If that's all he did, now let's just say, let's just go back down. Let's go way back down, right? If God's perfection is up here, God's never even told a lie. God says it that in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, God can't even lie. So this what we would consider such a tiny sin, God can't even lie. We lie, we fall short. There's no amount of good deeds we can do to make our account clear again. Even if we, even if that man asked the judge for forgiveness, he still did it, he's still going to be punished for it. Even if we ask God for forgiveness, we still need to be punished for it. And what is the punishment for sin? Death. And Revelation tells us it's the second death. So because of all of those things, when you fall short, there's only at that point you no longer can be saved by your flesh. Even, even Galatians tells us, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So when someone gets saved, they're saved, they're saved by grace through faith. But some people think, well, you might be saved, but then you have to keep it. So Paul says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? It doesn't make any sense. So the person who falls short of God's glory, the only way now that they can go to heaven, the only way, the only way that they can go to heaven is if they say, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't earn my way to heaven. And completely trust on Christ. Now, where that verse comes in in James, where it says the devils also believe and they tremble. Where that verse comes into play is this. Because look, I could say to someone, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But see, the problem is, is that there's a lot of people who believe that Jesus existed. The Jews believe that Jesus existed. But if you read their Torah, they think that Jesus is burning in hot excrement in hell. And I'm not making that up. You can look that up. 
the Jews of today and of the past 2,000 years believe that Jesus is burning in hot excrement. And it's just, it's crazy to me that some Christians revere those people who think Jesus is burning in feces in hell. Um, it, it is what it is. But, you know, those people believe that. Islam, Muslims believe that Jesus existed, but they don't believe he was God. They believe he was a prophet, right? So they believe that he was just another good prophet. He was just another good guy. Muhammad was better, but he was just a good guy. It's not just the historical fact that Jesus existed. That's not what brings people to heaven. Because then half the world would go to heaven. And Matthew tells us that there are few that be saved. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It tells us that broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in there at. But narrow is the way and straight is the gate that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. And so there's few that find heaven. And so if it's just the historical fact that Jesus existed, that's not going to do it. What it is, though, is saying I can't be a good enough person to go to heaven. And it's the acknowledgement of I can't I can't possibly be a good enough person. And completely trusting on Christ to save you. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father, but by me. And Peter even talked about salvation. And he said, whereby we know, or neither is salvation in any other, nor is there any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And he's talking about Jesus. So he knows, we know that it is only through Jesus that we're saved. It's not through any other God. It's not through any other person. It's not even through ourself. Because again, it is unmerited favor. We don't merit favor. If you have to work for unmerited favor, it's now merited favor. See how that works? And so grace alone, by grace through faith alone, is the only logical way that someone can be saved. Now, here's what I will say. Let me actually back up because that's not true. Logically, logically, we all go to works. I, when I first started going to church, I thought I had to earn my way to heaven. I thought I had to earn my own way to heaven. And so logically, that's where my logic leads me. But the problem with that is, is without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so when the Philippian jailer went to Paul and Silas, when Paul and Silas were in the jail, the jail broke open and they were about to escape. So the jailer was about to kill himself. If you remember that story, he was about to thrust himself through with a sword. Paul and Silas, they see him and they're like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. We're still here. The jailer knows that the Romans are harsh, brutal people. And he knows that if the Romans find out that he let two of the most wanted men go, he let them out, man, they they would torture him. So he's like, I'm just going to kill myself before it comes to that. But they stop him. And then in verse 30 of Acts 16, it says, and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he just asked them, plain and simple. Like I asked the man, I said, what must I do to be saved? Now, what the man told me was be baptized. What Paul and Silas told him was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. It's not believe on the Lord and go to my church. 
and to not believe on the Lord and go to any church. And now, don't get me wrong, going to church is a good thing, but it's not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and do anything. Because if it was believe and do something, then it's no more grace. And if by grace, if it's if if by grace, then it is no more work. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And so even even think about it like this, even just outside of outside of a lot of Paul's epistles, let's just go to the thief on the cross talking with Jesus Christ himself. Thief on the cross had absolutely nothing to offer. In fact, when you read the there are two accounts where the thieves on the cross are mentioned. There's one in Matthew and one in Luke. When you read the account in Matthew, both of the thieves, the only mention of them is to say that he was crucified with two thieves and they were both reviling him. They were both saying bad things about him. All right. That's the one account. So on the cross, when they're put all when they're all put up there, everybody is reviling Christ. Everybody on the ground, the Roman soldiers are casting lots for his garments, and you got the two thieves that are casting aspersions on him as he's on the cross. Now, what happens is, is then in Luke, we see the account where the one starts saying bad things about Jesus, and the other one now steps in and says, wait, 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 this man has done nothing amiss. We, we deserve to be here, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he turns to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou goest into thy kingdom, when thou comest into thy kingdom. That's it. He had no opportunity to go to church or get baptized or, you know, anything. And it doesn't even say that he that he, you know, wanted to stop sinning, had this feeling like, Lord, I'm going to change my life now. He didn't have an opportunity to change his life or do anything. He didn't have an opportunity to witness to anybody. Nothing. But Jesus told him. Today. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. So he was saved by just the fact he acknowledged Christ as Savior. Not acknowledging that he was a person, because the other thief did that too. The other thief knew that he was a real person. Duh. Right? The other thief knew he was a real person. But the thief that got saved, what he did is he said, he acknowledged, look, we are here justly. We deserve to be on this cross, but this man's done nothing wrong. He acknowledged that he was a sinless man, and Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So he he did all of those things. He understood. He under uh, Jesus did all the Jesus did everything that there was to do in a good way without doing any of the bad that there was to do. And the thief on the cross acknowledged that. That's why he got saved. Because he understood, I deserve to go to hell. I deserve this punishment and I deserve the next one. But this man doesn't deserve either. And he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me. And he asks him to save me. That's it. Now, for a lot of people, you'd be surprised because logically, again, all logic flies in the face of that because we want to earn our own salvation. And I get it. I get it. I was there. But from the scriptures, you can't get to that conclusion, especially when the Bible calls it a gift. It just doesn't work. Now, I know some people aren't a huge fan of the gift analogy. I understand that. But I think it works out pretty well. Because if I were to tell someone, like I did with that lady we were talking about earlier, if I were to give you or anybody, if I were to give someone my phone, 
I said, this is a gift, but I need you to pay me 50 bucks. Is that a gift? No, <laughs> that's not a gift, right? Why? Because that's an exchange. It's, it's just, it's literally a purchase at that point. It's literally a purchase. Now, if I said, all right, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this phone, but I need you to mow my lawn. Is that a gift? No, because you are still doing something in exchange for that phone. And that's not a gift. A gift doesn't something you don't do anything in exchange for. It's just yours. It's a gift. And so likewise, if God said, hey, look, I'm going to extend the gift of eternal life to you, as the Bible calls it, calls it the gift of God. He says, I'm going to gift you this, but I need you to pay me a hundred bucks. Now, look, that's a pretty good deal, right? It's <laughs> a pretty good deal. hundred bucks to go to heaven. Heck yeah. But there was a man in Acts who tried to do that. There was a man who tried to become an apostle, have the powers of an apostle by buying it. And Peter rebuked him and said that money perish with thee. Money is not going to get you into heaven. Now, look, if we could buy heaven for a hundred bucks, that'd be a heck of a deal. But is that a gift? Gives you something to think about. If, if you even have to pay a hundred bucks for such a great gift, it's, an, it's still not a gift, right? Now, if all you had to do was get baptized to go to heaven, you just got to get baptized and you're on your way to heaven. That's still a pretty good deal, right? Considering we deserve what we deserve. If all I have to do is take a dip in the water and come back out, that's a pretty good deal. But that's not a gift because that is me doing something in exchange for that. I'll do this, God, if you give me that. And that's a that is a that's a deal that's a, that's trying to bargain your way out. When the truth is, none of us deserve even with a baptism, none of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve that because it's not about being a good person. Does that make sense? It's it's not about um. It's not about any of those things. And so why do I bring this up? Let's let's circle back around as to why I'm even bringing this all up, okay? Because of a couple of reasons. One, there's, as I said at first, this podcast is for two kinds of people, really, right? It's for, um, I'm targeting at two different people. I guess three. I guess, well, let's just say two, okay? Because technically two of them are kind of, smushed together in one there's the one which is the main focus right and that is i want to uh speak to those who are already saved and encourage them and how to how to show people or you know whatever right i want to encourage people who are already saved that's that's the main focus right so i if there's anything in here that through the through the reasoning of the scriptures maybe you can use something in a future conversation you can say hey well i can go bring that verse up in the future that's that's what it's for right so that's the first thing but on the off chance because i do like i told you i have a lot of people that i have a lot of friends from time past when i wasn't saved who know me from when i wasn't saved and on the chance that they watch this you know, maybe I can give them a perspective now that I wasn't able to then. 
I remember when I first got saved and I tried explaining why I believe that I'm saved by faith alone, by grace through faith alone. And I couldn't really explain it all that well. And so maybe someone watches this who, who heard one of my, you know, unschooled arguments, more of my, um, my trying to put it into the best words with now I actually have scripture to back it up. And so those are the two things, but like I said, my main target audience is uh, is people who are already saved and want to serve the Lord. And so what I encourage you to, to do is this is like, you know, as you get along in your journey and you read your Bible um, and as you go out soul winning and as you do those things, I encourage you to, you know, make your your soul winning, your your gospel presentation. Um, something that is personable to you. And, um, you know, a lot of scripture, I encourage you to use a lot of scripture as I kind of just did, right? I use a ton of verses, but the, the idea behind all of that is, is this, is, is that I want to, I want people to understand that by grace through faith, it's so easy to explain but I don't think there's a lot of people, and this this just my perspective, but for what it's worth, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of Christians, a lot of saved people presenting the gospel or that know how. And I I say that because, and this is just one one reason, but you know, I remember, you know, when I look at churches that go soul winning, there's, there's a, I heard a statistic one time and it said about a 10th of the people that you have in Sunday school will go soul winning in your average church, in your average independent Baptist church, um, which is an interesting statistic. You know, if you have a Southern Baptist, obviously most of them don't even have soul winning, but for the most part, and there, there are exceptions to that rule, obviously, but, you know, you look at, if you have a hundred people in Sunday school, you'll have about 10 household winning. And so there's 90 people in that, in that, in that, you know, church, that hypothetical church, 90 people who don't regularly present the gospel to people. And you may say, well, look, I do it on my own time, but do you really? What I've found is most people, they try to justify not going soul winning by saying, well, I do it in my day-to-day -day life. Well, how are you doing it? They never even open up the Bible. They just kind of, you know, try to be a nice person. And they think that eventually maybe one day they'll ask me about how to go to heaven. Right. But that doesn't, that very rarely happens. And so if you're relying on that, um, unfortunately, you're probably not going to have much success. And so what I encourage you to do is actually start going soul winning. And you can you can start to learn the scriptures that's to walk someone through how to be saved. But what doesn't work is, you know, just kind of hopefully I get to talk to someone this week. Lord, would you put someone in my path? And you make no effort to go out of your way to present the gospel to anybody. 
and look, I know there's there's extreme circumstances. I know of a man personally who would love to go out soul winning, but he can't physically, physically not able to go. And, you know, he wishes every Saturday that he could go out soul winning, but he can't. And that's not who I'm talking about. The people who I'm talking about are the ones who are able-bodied. Um, it's kind of like, you know, I'll walk by some people on the side of the road. I remember I, I walked by, I, I drew, or, you know, drew, drive by. I drive by people quite frequently who are, you know, asking for money. And one of the things that bugs me the most, you know, if there's an older veteran, uh, this is... <laughs> Kind of, kind of on a on a slightly different topic here. I gotta tell you the story for a second. I was driving down, oh, was it Skybo or something like that in Fayetteville, Fayetteville, North Carolina. I was driving down this road, and there was this homeless guy. And if there was ever a time that I wanted to give money to someone on the side of the road, this was it. I gave him. He had this sign. He was a veteran that appeared to be homeless. Um, and he had a sign. He was like, I'm a homeless veteran, hungry. Um, anyway, but he, he was, he probably had like a pretty nice scruffy beard. He had a, uh, toboggan on and he, he had, he was missing a leg, um, up to like his knee. So like right where his knee was, there was like a stub there. And so uh, I guess he lost it in, in a war or something like that. But uh, his sign, man, it was one of those things that was almost like, I kind of want to just, you know, give him money, but I couldn't. I physically couldn't at that point. Um, just because the sign was so funny. He said it was homeless, homeless veteran. I'm hungry and on my last leg. <laughs> and it was just, it was the funniest thing to me. I, I still, to this day, it's it's the best that I've ever seen. But for the most part, People who are homeless today are not like they were 60 years ago in America or even today in other parts of the world where they can't actually provide for themselves. They just choose to ask other people. And it's normally the people that I can tell are like my age on the side of the road that I look at with the most disgust. Because I'm thinking there's absolutely no reason you should be asking for money. Because what it ends up doing is it makes me subconsciously almost not want to give money to people who actually deserve it. You see what I mean? Like there are actual people with problems in America. There are actual homeless people with problems. But when you see a 19-year-old on the side of a road saying hungry and homeless, get a job, right? Why do I say all that? Because there are people who are able-bodied Christians who have every opportunity to give the gospel to people, who have every reason. That they, they have physically their in good condition to go out and go soloing. And they don't because I'm tired or I had a long week or I did this or I did that. And in my head, it's like, I'm not, look, I don't spend my time thinking about those people. That's not what I'm called to do. But what I will say is I've had times where I felt like I've had a long week. I'd like to go home and just rest. But there's more important things to be done. And I can rest literally right after I'm done soul winning. Soul winning's only, what, maybe two hours um, on a Saturday. And for the most part, by the way, this is just something I've noticed. 
most soul winning, while it says it starts at 10, doesn't actually start at 10. So it'll start at like 10, 15, 10, 30. And you're over by like 11.30, 11.45. Maybe you get to 12. But let's just say for sake of argument, it's a full two hours. Two hours out of 168 in a week? You mean to tell me you can't give two hours to go preach the gospel to people, meet them where they are? But what they want to do is they want to wait for people to come to them. But that's not what Jesus said, right? Jesus said, go, yeah, preach the gospel. And so I give you all these verses as ammunition and as reason. It's so easy. I've shown people this and I can, you know, you know, I've seen people lead people to the Lord in 10, 15, 20 minutes, right? I've been able to even do that. And that's saying something because I'm not a very, <laughs> not a very eloquent person, right? Um, but, you know, if I can do this, anybody can. And so I encourage you with these verses to, to go out there, use some of these and present them in your day-to-day -day conversations. And make, make time in your week to go out and present the gospel to people where they are. Go to them. And don't wait for everybody to come to you. That's what I encourage you to do today. So with that, guys, I, I appreciate you guys watching today. And I hope that there was something that you can you can take away from this, that um, that I was an encouragement to you or, you know, the Lord really spoke to you in something. Um, but I pray that I pray that there is something that you can you can take away from this. And with that being said, if there is anything that I could do, like I said, guys, I'd love to communicate with you all. You can, again, once again, you can email me at rickycarlson at upsidedownworld.com. You can follow me on Instagram at 116ricks, or you can go to my Facebook. It is uh, Ricky Carlson, obviously. And all of that is tagged, by the way, at the bottom of my website. So upsidedown-world.com. You can go to the very bottom when it has a little section about me. And my Instagram, my Facebook, the YouTube page through this channel are all linked on there. And so I encourage you to check that out as well. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for hopping onto the podcast and spending a little bit of your day with me. I appreciate it. God bless and I'll see you soon.